Hello again and welcome to the program. You're tuned to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Now this really is extraordinary. This is an extraordinary claim by Paul that the gospel, the Christian message that Jesus died on the cross, was physically buried and he physically rose from the dead. That it is verifiable. He said this was witnessed by 500 people who saw the physical resurrected Christ at one time. And he says most of them are still alive today. Now that is a huge claim. Paul writing this around about 53, 54 AD, he he ran the risk of having someone in the first century verifying this or attempting to verify this. For many people, death is final and their belief is that once life has ended on earth, there is nothing else. Life is what it is and then you die. If that were true, then life would be only what we personally could make it. And that's a fairly dismal prospect. At the centre of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without it, the gospel message has no power at all. The good news is that for all those who accept Christ's offer of salvation, their life will not end at the grave. Dr. Corbett has been exploring the Apostle Paul's epistles to the people of Corinth and tonight he's shouting the good news from the rooftops. Let's join him now for news on the greatest healing, the physical resurrection. Today we finish up Paul's epistles to the Corinthian series and I'm going backwards into 1 Corinthians for a good reason and the reason is that this chapter that we're going to look at now to conclude the entire series through Paul's epistles to the Corinthians, I believe, is Paul's most important chapter to the Corinthians and arguably one of the most important chapters in the whole of the New Testament. And hopefully you'll see why, because on the arguments that Paul gives in this chapter, he says Christianity stands or falls. Christianity is not based on a feeling. In other words, we don't appeal to someone, go away and feel about whether this is for you. If it feels right, accept it. We, we never do that. We never offer people to have a, 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 an experience or a feeling uh, that uh, is the basis of testing whether this is for someone to accept or reject. <clears throat> so on that basis, what we're going to see is the arguments that Paul gives is grounded in the truth. And so let's pray, and then we're going to open God's word and allow the Spirit of God to do what only he can do. So pray with me. Father, I pray now as we open your word, you would speak to us. Help us to hear your voice. May we understand your word. May it seek out our innermost thoughts of our heart and examine them. And may our heart become conformed to the truth of your word. May we as followers of Christ be shaped into fully obedient, fully devoted followers of Christ in whom there is no darkness or hypocrisy. I pray, Lord, you help me to deliver your word in a way that people will hear it, they will receive it, and they will be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Apparently in Corinth, one of the things that the false teachers had been saying was that the, there was not going to be a resurrection. And Paul's got something quite strong to say about this, and so he should. And he will make the case that if the resurrection, particularly of Jesus, and he, he builds his entire argument on whether Jesus Christ was physically raised from the dead. Now you might think, what, what, what is this? what's the big deal about this? Well, firstly, I want you to consider this. Dead people do not come back to life physically. Generally, they don't. But one day they will. One day they will, based on what happened to Christ. And here we have the most extraordinary claim of Christianity, that we worship a saviour who was actually the creator of the universe, who became by a miracle a zygote in a very young Jewish virgin girl known as Mary. And Mary was the host of this developing baby. And in some way, the material of Mary was used without conceiving sexually of a human uh, developing in her womb. So part of genetic, the genetic material of Mary was used in, in the making of Jesus, who was ultimately born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. So rather than being known as Jesus of Bethlehem, which he rightfully was, he actually, because of where he grew up, he is known as Jesus of Nazareth. And that's how he's often referred to in the gospel accounts. So what we're going to look at now is what we might call the chapter in, in Paul's epistles to the Corinthians that describes the greatest healing. The greatest healing will be one day our physical resurrection from the dead because Jesus Christ rose physically from the dead. And in that day, when we are raised physically, we will be immortal. We will never die again. Our body will be transformed into the likeness of Christ in a way that we will enter into, if you can get your head around this, we will enter into his glory. Now, this is breathtaking. This is why we're saving this till last because it is the grandest doctrine of Christianity that because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we will enter into perfect and complete wholeness. This is amazing. So the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is indeed the central message of Christianity. And without it, Christianity falls. So we're going to see Paul actually makes this case as well. Because the Christian hope, the Christian doctrine is grounded in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is often summed up with these two words, the gospel. The gospel is the message that Jesus Christ bore our sins on the cross and that he conquered sin and death by rising from the dead three 
days later by the account of how Jews count days. So that's what we're going to see. So it is central to this, this other word. We've got some big words here because you'd expect a grand doctrine. It's going to have some grand words. The central teaching of Christianity is centers around the cross and the resurrection. The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ was central to what Christ did. Without the physical resurrection, the atonement, that's the big word, the atoning work of Christ for the salvation of sinners was incomplete. And Paul is going to make this point very loudly and very clearly as he rebuts the false teaching about what the resurrection is. That makes the physical resurrection of Christ and ultimately one day our physical resurrection intrinsic to our salvation. In other words, if you have given your life to Christ because of a work of the Holy Spirit in you, your eyes have been opened, your soul has become aware of your need for a saviour, the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that Jesus is not just a saviour, he is the saviour, he is the only saviour, and as you have accepted Christ, the physical resurrection that will one day be something you will partake in is absolutely intrinsic to your salvation. So Paul starts off, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, where he says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and might we say the Scriptures that prophesied that this would happen, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Asleep is the term that the first Christians began to use of death because Christ had conquered death. Now death was nothing more than sleep. Then, Paul continues, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. This is an extraordinary claim by Paul that the gospel, the Christian message that Jesus died on the cross, was physically buried and he physically rose from the dead. That it is verifiable. He said this was witnessed by 500 people who saw the physical resurrected Christ at one time. And he says most of them are still alive today. Now that is a huge claim. Paul writing this around about 53, 54 AD, he, he ran the risk of having someone in the first century verifying this or attempting to verify this and finding out by going to Jerusalem and 
interviewing people whom Paul claims had seen it, that someone could have come back and said, actually, I went to Jerusalem, I did just that, I couldn't find anybody. And then I found somebody said, oh yeah, that was made up, that never happened. But you know what? There is not one account, not one account in the first century where that happened. In other words, Paul is saying, this is verifiable. And if someone had set out to verify or disprove it, they could have done it and we have no record of it being disproven at all. So with this in mind, we, we need to understand it. Again, I'm stressing this, that the central claim of Christianity is itself historically verifiable. It's historically verifiable. When Paul wrote this with 500 people who saw the resurrected Christ at one time, it was possible to prove that it was false, if it was false, and, it, and they never did. We read in verse 8, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. We realize here that Paul has said, Jesus rose from the dead, and then went to his brother, James. Now we read about James in the Gospels. That James was someone who refused to believe in his own brother. He did not believe that Jesus was who he was claiming to be. But when he experienced Jesus risen from the dead, he became a believer. Not only a believer, history tells us, that this James who wrote the epistle of James in our New Testament would go on to become a martyr because he would not deny what he had seen. He had seen the crucified Jesus three days later risen from the dead. And because he wouldn't deny it, he was martyred. Now this is absolutely extraordinary. And Paul is saying here that he was a persecutor of the church he denied that what the Christians were claiming was true. He set about to destroy them. And then he encountered this resurrected Jesus. Now, something incredibly profound and dramatic must have happened to Paul to convert him from Judaism into Christianity. There's no other explanation for it. Many, many people have set out to disprove the physical erection of Jesus Christ and have only ended up concluding from the evidence that it must have happened and ultimately many of those people had have now converted or had converted to Christianity. In recent times, the Chicago Tribune legal journalist, the law column uh, journalist Lee Strobel set out to disprove it because his wife had become a Christian and he then set out to prove to her that the claims of Christianity were false and in doing this the investigative journalist Lee Strobel ended up discovering that what his wife had come to believe as true was indeed true and Lee Strobel himself became a Christian. This story happens over and over and over again. 
that when people investigate the truthfulness of the claim, the central claim of Christianity, that Jesus rose from the dead, they end up, they end up concurring that it must have happened. The only way you can doubt it and hold on to that doubt is to simply doubt it without good reasons. Apart from the fact that dead people do not ordinarily rise from the dead. And with that we say, that's right. That is absolutely right. And that's why we say this was an extraordinary thing. And unlike some people who say extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. No, they don't. They just require evidence. And we have it in spades based on the first century testimony of hundreds of people. So we read in verse 12, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. That is, it's utterly pointless. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So Paul is saying here, if you're going to say there's absolutely no possibility of resurrection, then Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. I've just given you good evidence as to why we know he was raised from the dead then what these false teachers are saying must be false. So we have this foundation of Christianity, verses 17 and 19. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What, what the New Testament teaches from these eyewitness accounts, we have uh, Peter, James, we have Mark, we have Jude. They were all witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. And then Paul himself says he encountered the resurrected Christ. When Christ was resurrected, he conquered death itself. Once and for all, death, Paul will describe, was the last enemy, as we'll see this in a moment. Now, for all those who turn to Christ and accept his offer of forgiveness of their sins based on his death on the cross, based on his resurrection, their life will not end at the grave. We read in verses 21 and 22, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So we see that when those who are in Christ will one day be raised from the dead, our bodies will not be subjected to the same problems that we currently experience. And there are some mornings when I wake up and it hurts. <laughs> I've been involved in a motor vehicle accident, a motorcycle accident where a car uh, collided with me and 
sent me into a power pole head first and I cracked my helmet open. I was lying unconscious in a hospital bed for a couple of days and then came to with a broken shoulder that still gives me grief even 35 years later. And here I am longing for that day when I will receive a new body that will no longer experience pain, no longer experience suffering. We will be transformed. We will be utterly transformed. Paul says this in verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. That is, our bodies decay. But what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. The day will come when all those who know Christ, who have given their life to Christ, who have turned to Christ and are trusting him with their soul, will experience the resurrection of the dead into a body that will never decay, be corrupted or experience pain and suffering. In the, re- in the resurrection, that day when that happens, all believers in Christ will be transformed from the likeness of fallen Adam, the first man who plunged the human race into sin. But we will be transformed into the likeness of the glorified Christ, the one that Paul calls the last Adam. Think of it, imagine it, incapable of ever becoming sick, incapable of aging, incapable of experiencing emotional pain or guilt or regret. We will receive a new nature in which we will never want to sin this is remarkable first corinthians chapter 15 verses 49 and 53 for just as we've been born the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on the immortality in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul in, uh, describes our bodies as being like a tent where he says, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed we, by putting it on, we may not be found naked, verse 4, for while we are still in this tent, that is our body, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This is absolutely glorious. This is amazing. We read in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may be, become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desires. You see, the resurrection will enable us to partake of the divine nature. Think of it. The God who never ages, who never decays, who never grows weary, 
we will partake of that nature. This is absolutely extraordinary. This is the crux of Christianity, the hope of the believer. I want you to notice what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 15. He is not saying that our goal is simply to get to heaven. He's not saying that. Secondly, Paul is not saying that we will become like a ghost-like creature, having a quote-unquote spiritual body that has no physical substance. He's not saying that at all. In fact, what he is saying is that we will have bodies like Christ. And what the closing few chapters of the Bible itself says is that ultimately God's plan, as it was originally before man fell into sin and from innocence, the plan of God was for him, for God, to dwell with man and for man, as in mankind, to dwell with God together. That's why there was Eden. And that's why we have this hope. It's not about simply going to heaven. Our salvation is not about location. Our salvation is about being connected to the one who himself is life, who is himself ultimate happiness and ultimate joy and fulfillment. And so what awaits us is that we will have our physical bodies transformed so that we can be united together with God for eternity. The closing chapters of the Bible describe a new heaven and a new earth. And we might understand this as a new heaven and earth, where there is a merging of the dwelling place of God with man forever. And mankind, those who have given their lives to Christ and turned turned their hearts over to Christ, will dwell with God forever. Salvation is not about location. Salvation is about a relationship with the one who ultimately satisfies every longing of our soul. Have you turned your life over to him? Have you acknowledged your need for a saviour? Have you tried living the way you know how and it just hasn't worked? There is one who can help you to live the way you were designed to live And he now offers you peace. He now offers you forgiveness. He now offers you salvation that will enable you to spend eternity in a union with God where you will know ultimate satisfaction, fulfillment and love. Here's four things that I think we should take away from this central doctrine to Christianity. Number one, we need to be steadfast in our devotion to the risen Christ. Number two, we need to be immovable in our trust of God's word. It's God's word that promises us our own resurrection. And three, we need to be outstanding in our work for the Lord so that others might know. And fourthly, we need to know that our labour Our labor is not in vain. Now, where am I getting these things from? I'm getting these from what Paul says when he writes to the Corinthians. 
that this is exactly what we should be. The last verse of chapter 15 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Father, I pray that you would open the hearts of everyone who's joined with me now and may they cry out from their heart, Dear God, save me. Help me to live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me. And Lord, I want to know you and serve you so that I can spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select The Greatest Healing, The Physical Resurrection from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, for all those who accept Christ's offer of salvation, their life will not end at the grave. In the resurrection, all believers will be transformed into the likeness of the glorified Christ. If that isn't good news, then I don't know what is. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.